This is the Ian O'Connor Show on 98.7 ESPN. Good afternoon, everyone. Happy 4th of July. I hope you're having a wonderful early afternoon. We have a, a terrific show for you today with a heavyweight lineup of baseball guests. Bobby Valentine, who, of course, took the Mets to the World Series in 2000, lost in five to the Yankees. We'll talk to him about the Subway Series. Jack Curry, the outstanding studio analyst, pregame and postgame for the Yes Network. We'll talk to him about can the Yankees still be saved. Bob Clappish, the baseball poet at NJ.com. He'll join in as well. So a great show here on 98.7 ESPN for the next three hours. And, of course, the big story in New York is the Yankees being in a full-blown crisis. That's what it is right now. And, and here's why I say that. It's not just where they are in the standings. And they're lucky they're not 10.5 back in the division after the A's uh, rallied last night with three runs in the 12th to beat the Red Sox. It, they're still, what, they're five games back in the wild card. And that's a manageable scenario. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. But it's just after the way this week unfolded. Well, you had Aaron Boone say the season is on the line, season on the brink, and you had Aaron Judge call a team meeting. You had Brian Cashman saying we suck, we stink to high heavens. You had Hal Steinbrenner's press conference, and then you had the worst regular season loss, and I've been doing this for 35 years, and a lot of crazy, surreal October nights in the 90s with the Yankee dynasty that generally they, they won those games. But I was trying to remember, and I understand there's recency bias involved in these evaluations. I'll admit to that. But I can't remember a more devastating regular season loss than what they suffered Wednesday night when Chapman walked three batters and then gave up the grand slam for for the 8-8 tie. And, of course, they lost that game. And, and the fans, not many of them left, but some diehards booing. Chapman chanting for, for Boone to be fired, and it was just a god-awful night with the two rain delays lasting more than two hours, and I remember driving home afterward and getting home at around three in the morning and thinking, I really don't know if I ever covered or attended a more heartbreaking regular season loss. You can't compare the regular season to the postseason, so it, it has to be looked at in that context. But after all that this week, people saying things in meetings and press conferences and calling everyone out. Now, Hal Steinbrenner maybe called out the players too much and Cashman and Boone not enough. After all that, and then sleeping on that terrible loss Wednesday night for three nights to come out and be down 8 nothing in your home building to the second worst offense in Major League Baseball. It's really hard to believe. So if there was absolutely no response from the players entering that game yesterday, you really have to wonder if this season can be saved at all. And I'm talking only in a wild card context because the division is gone. It's not realistic to think that the Yankees can now win the AL East when they're back nine and a half. Now, I know Yankee fans, or maybe not even Yankee fans, the Yankees themselves would say, well, we got eight games coming up with the Red Sox. They'd have to win seven of them at least six to put themselves back in the conversation. And right now they're, they're what this year? Oh, and six against Boston. So it's really hard to believe they're going to do that. And their schedule is not going to give them any breaks in the coming weeks. So I, I think here we are at the halfway point with the Yankees at 41 and 40, what they need to do, they need to sweep this split double header today against the Mets at Yankee Stadium and, and, and feel like, okay, we're starting the second half of this season. 
the next 81 games on a real high note, going 2-0 against the Mets in one day. I really think they need that today to change the conversation a little bit because right now... Really, it's about whether or not they should just be sellers at the trade deadline and just give up on this season and then get a new manager in the offseason. I I truly believe this about Aaron Boone. And I think most Yankee fans, I know most Yankee fans will disagree with this, but he won 203 regular season games in his first two full seasons. It's only two full seasons. Last year, he made the playoffs for the third straight year. So he hasn't missed the playoffs yet. And he did have two big seasons in his first two and only full season so far as Yankee manager. He's really struggling right now. This team does not want to play for him. It's proving that on regularly uh, on a daily basis. But I think that he, he needs to have this full season. I don't see, even if they lost these two games at Yankee Stadium today of the Mets and got swept, it's going to be brutal if that happens. I, I don't suspect that will happen. I'm actually expecting a split today. But if that did happen, I still don't think... You pull the trigger, and I don't know what the point would be right now anyway. Hal Steinbrenner, I don't think he's going to do that based on his comments Thursday about evaluating a full body of work, looking at the big picture, not always the small picture like his father did. And I don't think people are asking Hal Steinbrenner to be his dad. He always brings that up, or he did uh, quite a bit the other day. It's just about showing a pulse. And when you talk about accountability, that has to, that can't just be words. So he needs to be on top of this. And there needs to be a real sense of urgency every day now going forward because the Yankees are, this season is is about to be gone. And, and there's going to be no saving it if they don't turn it around starting today with these two games against the Mets. And I think a lot of people were, upset that Steinbrenner put most of this on the players and not enough of it on Boone and Cashman. And and I would agree with that assessment based on on what he said in that press conference. I, I do, despite that, feel that Boone deserves the entire season. And then, hey, if you miss the playoffs or if it continues on this path, he's done. He's not coming back. You can question Cashman. I would say in 24 years, Brian Cashman has not had a losing season. That doesn't that isn't good enough for the vast majority of Yankee fans I hear from in my email inbox and uh, and and on social media. But I think certainly Cashman deserves this full season. And then Hal Steinbrenner can make a call when when it's over. So those two, I think, should be in place for the balance of the season. And then we'll see how it plays out. But here's Hal Steinbrenner the other day at his press conference talking about where he puts the blame. Myself, Cashman, Boone, the coaches, I mean, we're we're responsible, right? I mean, we're we're in charge. So at some level, we're responsible for what's going on. But make no mistake about it. My opinion, the majority of the responsibility, whether it's the responsibility of, of inconsistent offense or bad base running, et cetera, that responsibility lies with the players. They're the ones on the field, right? Uh, they're a group of very talented, professional athletes that are playing this game at the highest level in the world. They need to fix this problem. They need to fix the problem because everyone including our fan base, rightfully so, has had enough, quite frankly. It's enough. And they know that. And, you know, you're, you're, you're seeing them say that. They're taking it seriously. They had a team-only meeting a couple days ago, which, in my opinion, is always the best type of meeting. The peers holding other peers accountable is 
in my belief, the most effective type of meeting that can that can occur. But we all can share the blame, but the majority of the blame lies with them. And your uh, thoughts on what Hal just said there, 1-800-919-3776. Give us a call at 1-800-919-3776. So Hal Steinbrenner says, yeah, on a certain level, we're responsible too, meaning himself, Cashman, and Boone. But then he immediately pivots away from that, and it's all on the players. So your thoughts on that? Give us a call, 1-800-919-3776. The Mets with 14 hits yesterday, 13 of them singles. And the Yankees with uh, only three hits. Taiwan Walker, one of the great signings, really, in Major League Baseball. He's been terrific for the Mets and a big difference maker. And so the Mets right now in fairly good shape in a relatively weak division. Three and a half up now on Washington. And Nimmo coming back, I thought, gave them a lift. The top three of their order yesterday, Nimmo, Lindor, and Dom Smith combined for eight hits and four RBI. I think, again, Nimmo making a a big difference with the sport's second-worst offense in runs per game. And Montgomery, was he was not terrible. Justin Wilson was positively brutal in, in giving up five runs. I think the Yankees had one guy who came to play yesterday. That was Michael King, who was lights out for four innings with the nine strikeouts. He just got in the game too late. I think Rojas, who's done a very good job overall this year, has made some tactical mistakes. One was putting Castro in the game yesterday. As soon as he put him in, this is not a second guess, this is a first guess. I said that to myself and then told my wife, who's a diehard Mets fan, you don't put Castro in this game because that gave the Yankees some life and gave them a chance to make it a game. As it turns out, a familiar and Smith took that life away. The Mets set uh, 42 and 36, again, three and a half up in the division. It's a golden opportunity for them to win a, a bad division. It's a golden opportunity to get DeGrom into the postseason. And it, it's a golden opportunity to take this city away from the Yankees. You know, in 2015, when the Mets made the World Series and lost, of course, they since I mean, you thought that was going to be a, uh, the start of something pretty special for them, they make the playoffs the following year. They haven't won a playoff game since that World Series. They're working now on four straight years out of the postseason. They have one position player who appeared in that 2015 World Series uh, still on the team. That's Conforto. That's it. So don't waste opportunities. That's the moral of that story. And the Mets have a gigantic one in front of them. We'll see if they honor that with the way they play out the rest of the season. The Yankees at 41 and 40. Again, nine and a half behind the Red Sox. They're lucky it isn't 10 and a half. Fourth place in the division. Sixth place in the wild card. Five games back. A bunch of teams to hurdle. The last I looked, baseballreference.com had their playoff odds at 15%. Their odds of winning the World Series at uh, 0.3%. So what do you think about where the Yankees are? Do you think they can still save this season and forget about the division, make the postseason as a wild card? And once you get in, once you get in the tournament, and this applies really to any sport, but if you're hot... You can win the whole thing. So right now, if I'm the Yankees, they're never going to say this publicly, but privately behind closed doors, say, listen, guys, let's be realistic here. Okay, we're not fooling anybody. We're not going to win the AL East this year. But, hey, it, it doesn't really matter. We just need to get into the playoffs as a hot team, and then people aren't going to want to play us because of the people we have in the room. And they can maybe even fool themselves into thinking that. But right now, they've got to look at the teams ahead of them in the division, Toronto, Tampa Bay, and they have to pass those teams. 
that's the realistic way of looking at the Yankees saving what looks like now a season that is beyond saving. Now back to the Ian O'Connor Show on 98.7 ESPN. Welcome back. Happy July 4th. Ian O'Connor on 98.7 ESPN. We have Jack Curry, the Yes Network, Bob Clappish of NJ.com coming up. Right now, let's bring in Bobby Valentine, of course, led the Mets to the NLCS in 99 to the World Series in 2000, now running for mayor in his great hometown of Stamford, Connecticut. Bobby, thanks so much for taking a few minutes. And I think before I ask you about the Yankees and Mets, I, I I think most listeners would like to know just how cool it is to be part of a Subway series as a player or as a manager like you were for a number of years. What is that experience like when you're managing in the cauldron of New York, Mets versus Yankees? Take the listener inside the dugout and and just that experience. Ian, good uh, being with you. Thank you very much. You know, uh, I had the honor of managing the first Subway Series in 97, and uh, no one knew what to expect, and uh, the city was uh, beside themselves. You know, we were getting uh, motorcycle uh, escorts from Shea Stadium in uniform in our buses all the way over to Yankee Stadium. The Yankees would get uh, escorts from Yankee Stadium over to to Shea Stadium. They'd shut down the highways. If you can imagine the Major Deegan being shut, no one (laughs) entered the the highway. (laughs) I was trying to make that for you, by the way. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was was really an amazing scene that the – Stadiums were filled with uh, Yankee colors, with Met colors. Everyone was on their feet the entire time. I remember the the first games uh, began with people standing and ended with people standing uh, the entire game. And um, it it was spectacular. Now, to be totally truthful with you, because we did it twice a year in 97, twice a year in 98, by the time we did it twice in 99, uh, Joe Torrey and I would look at each other and say, you know, this is cruel and, and unjust punishment. This is this is a, above and beyond the call of duty to have to have two of these series a, a year. You know, and, and at the same time, Atlanta was like playing, and we were chasing them all the time. They were a big rival. They, they might have been playing Miami or something as their, you know, their rival city where they're they're playing them twice as much, but um, it, it was spectacular. Uh, everyone would talk about it. It captured every back page. It captured every sports headline. And um, you know, we're on talk radio here on ESPN. Uh, talk radio uh, was alive and well at that time. And uh, every minute of the day, the airways were filled. Bobby Valentine, yeah. Bobby Valentine, ninety-eight-seven ESPN, and and great memories, and those were the good old days, certainly. Uh, so let's talk about the present. Not so good for the Yankees and where they are right now, losing again yesterday, eight-three to the Mets. And if I remember correctly, in ninety-nine, you were twenty-seven and twenty-eight after fifty-five games. You ended up winning ninety-seven games and going to Game Six of the NLCS. So when you look at the Yankees right now, it's obviously later in the season at forty-one and forty. Do you see a team that? has the potential to turn this around or is that asking for too much no they have the potential to turn it around without a doubt they have really good potential but 
Tampa did and I did. Uh, here it is, a Subway Series midway through the season. And the Mets are in first place, and they're talking about firing the Yankee manager. Well, <laughs> what the heck is that all about? The world has really come full circle. That's, that's sure for has. sure. Um, but, you know, after 55 games in, in 99, you mentioned that magical number. You know, I was asked at that time, uh, what will we do in the next 55 games to turn the season around? And I said at Yankee Stadium on a Sunday before a Sunday night game that in the next 55 games we would go 40 and 15. And you could Google this one if you – well, you lived it because you remember. We I went remember. 40 and 15. So if the Yankees do that, they're, they're in it uh, to, to win it. And if the Mets were able to do it, I'm sure the Yankees would be able to do it also. Well, well, Bobby, Hal Steinbrenner the other day basically put the blame on the players. I know you probably watch your former team, the Mets, more than you do the Yankees. But when you've seen the Yankees, it, is this a player problem? Is this a managerial problem? Or is this a Brian Cashman roster problem or all of the above? Well, I always thought that, um, you know, attitude fil- filtered down from the top. And, and you know, Brian has such great uh, experience that I think he's trying to have the right attitude filter down and and uh, Booney is uh, experienced at what he's doing so he's trying to get the right attitude and I guess Hal uh, being in that driver's seat needs to do the same thing but um, you know it seems to me like the Mets um, and, and the new ownership have the right attitude that you know they're not taking anything uh, too seriously they're they, they didn't jump off ship when everyone got hurt. They didn't uh, cry cry uh, bloody murder when uh, Degrom was out of out of the rotation or or their offense was set about our business and see what we could do and and one guy at a time has chipped in. I I just don't see that happening with the Yankees. I, it seems like everyone's looking for somebody else to do something, and, uh, you know, you have to take it upon yourself. Yeah, Bobby, looking at the statistics uh, team-wide, the Yankees are last in steals in baseball. They're last in doubles. They're last in triples, and they, they get thrown out a lot on the base pass. That tells me they're never getting the extra base. And looking at their runs per game this year at 4.1 as opposed to last year, I think they're at 5.4, third in baseball. So when you never get the extra base, and you're one of the fastest players to ever play Major League Baseball, certainly of your generation, how tough is it? Does that make it to score runs when you're not hitting a lot of home runs? It makes it almost impossible. Well, it makes it very difficult. But remember that uh, they built the team around the home run. And to try to change in midstream and say, hey, it's not about the home run at all. It's about killing a base and, and going first to third. Um, uh, again, I, I, I don't think you like to change uh, attitude and change direction in midstream. So uh, I think the home runs have to come. I think it's just that simple. I think when the ball's flying over the fence, everyone's going to relax. Then they'll be getting doubles. Then they'll be scoring from first on the doubles. But until the home runs come, they're going to think that there's something less than they're supposed to be. Bobby Valentine, 98.7 ESPN. Let's talk about your former team, the Mets. And Rojas doing a, a fairly good job. Still a young manager, but right now in a relatively weak division. The Mets are in first place by three and a half games. What do you like in the way Rojas has managed this team so far? Yeah, that no pan 
was with him the other night uh, on an off night, and uh, I could tell you, I I really like his idea, his attitude, his belief in his players, his caring for his players. Um, and, and, you know, the one thing he said that um, really resonated was that he thought he had a, a team full of good guys, you know. And, and as I went through the years of managing and leading and coaching uh, and and, um, and even as an athletic director for the last uh, uh, eight years, what I tried to stress is that you need to have players who enjoy seeing their teammates do well. And when they take satisfaction and enjoy somebody else doing well, they don't put that heavy burden on themselves. They, they feel a sense of accomplishment by the group, by, by their friends, by the people that they like. And, and, you know, one time I took a, a survey of uh, all the great coaches I, I came across in whatever sport it was over a couple years span. And uh, unilaterally, they all said that one of the keys to success with a group is to have people who like each other when they're playing. Now, of course, there are exceptions to the rules, and everyone always goes back to the, you know, the Oakland A's fighting with each other or the Yankees fighting with each other. But uh, for the most part, when you have a long season, you have to enjoy other people's successes. And uh, I think maybe that should be the focal of focal point of the Yankees uh, and uh, take take a, a lesson from what they see with the Mets. They really seem to be enjoying each other. And Bobby, uh, final thing, I remember talking to David Cohn about uh, right before the 2000 World Series. He's sitting in the dugout. He's looking at your roster in 2000. And he's looking at the Yankee roster and he says to himself, boy, Bobby Valentine must be a hell of a manager to have this team in the World Series. So that, that bring, And that team liked playing for you. And, and that's more important than X's and O's in every sport, isn't it? As a manager, as a head coach, to inspire your players to play at a high level on a regular basis, to want to play for their manager. Isn't that more important than X's and O's? I think it's more important than X's and O's. And once again, that that team in 2019, you know, I mean, Benny Bayani was loved by everyone. He was a guy who wasn't supposed to make the team. When he had a double and, and it became an RBI, everyone took joy in that. And, uh, you know, that went right down the line. Uh, Johnny Franco uh, enjoying Armando Benitez's success, even though he took over the closer role. You know, that type of attitude is what gets you through uh, the tough times and what what keeps the, the long slumps from burying you. And, um, you know, that, that's what teams are all about. And once you have trust and leadership, then you have a chance at teamwork. And uh, uh, I think right now the Mets have trust in their leadership. No question. Bobby Valentine running for mayor in Stanford, Connecticut. Bobby, good luck in the election in the fall. It was very nice of you to take the time to help us out. And hopefully we'll talk to you again soon. You do a great job. Thank you. Thank you. And take Thanks, care Bobby. of yourself. Yeah, you too. Have a great tour. Bye-bye.
Bobby Valentine, of course, took the Mets to the NLCS in 99 and the World Series in 2000. They, of course, lost to the Yankees in five. And I do remember Cohn saying that about the two rosters. You look at who was playing in the outfield for the Mets compared to the Yankees. And Cohn saying, man, Valentine must be doing a pretty good job over there to get to this point. And Rojas is right now. I know a lot of Mets fans don't like some of the moves he's made uh, with his pitching staff out of the bullpen. I didn't like the Castro move yesterday before that started to get away from him. He didn't even recording out before they had to get him out of there. I just didn't. That game was so important for the Mets to win, and they were in control of it. There was no point in taking any gamble, and I thought that was a mini gamble that Rojas didn't need to take. But they survived it. They win the game 8-3. They're in first place by three and a half games. The Yankees are in fourth place, nine and a half back of the Red Sox. As I said earlier, they're lucky it's not ten and a half. Oakland rallies with three runs in the 12th inning uh, last night to beat Boston. Now back to the Ian O'Connor Show on 98.7 ESPN. So we have... We're joined now. We, we got Bob Klappish at Yankee Stadium. He is the, I call him a baseball poet. He's been at very relevant and big places in New York, on the New York side and New Jersey as well. Right now he's with NJ.com. And Bob, in talking about the Yankees being in a full-blown crisis right now, if you, if you look at the, the wild card scenario, let's put the division aside because I think that's unrealistic. In a, in a wild card race where they're five back, a lot of teams to hurdle, including two in their own division, is it realistic to think that this group can turn it around and make a run, or do you think major changes have to be made for that to happen? Uh, first of all, Ian, thank you for having me on. Uh, to answer your question, uh, I would have given you a different response a week ago. But in the last seven days, I've seen the Yankees get swept by the Red Sox and Fenway. They were just outplayed for three straight days. They lost a horrific game on Wednesday night uh, to the Angels, which, in which uh, Geraldus Chapman was unable to hold a four-run lead. I thought that was really the backbreaker. And then to see the way they came out and just nailed it in against the Mets yesterday. You know, this team is as demoralized as I've seen them, not just this year, but in years. I, I, I can't remember the last time the Yankees were so dispirited and, and so beaten, and they're only at the halfway mark. So if I had to give you an answer today, for sure, uh, about where the Yankees are headed in October, I just don't see them making a run. I just don't see them having a sustained winning streak. That would be needed to get back into the race. Any race, wild card race, uh, division race, I mean, they would have to experience such a, a, a profound turnaround. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't see it being possible right now. I mean, they still have a couple weeks of the trade deadline. And anything can happen. And look, the Yankees are playing the Red Sox eight times in July. So anything can really happen mathematically. But my sense is that the bottom has fallen out on them. And the sooner Brian Cashman admits that to himself, the better off they'll be. This group is not going to, is not going to come through. Bob Klappish of NJ.com. He's at Yankee Stadium for the split double header here on 98.7 ESPN. Uh, you heard what Hal Steinbrenner had to say, and he put all the blame basically, or most of it, on the players. Do you agree with that assessment, Bob, or do you think he was off base in doing that? Well, I mean, ultimately the players do have to play better. There's no question about that. But to, to blame them for the, for the poorly constructed roster and for the lack of spirit from the manager – uh, you know, there's plenty of blame to go all the way around. I mean, this is just the wrong team. I mean, the, the, the front office's estimation of how good they were, I think, is way off. Uh, trying to stack a lineup with right-handed home run hitters in Yankee Stadium was a mistake. Uh, trying to expect Aaron Boone, to his nice guy, his benevolent demeanor, to pay a dividend through four years. 
through the third and fourth years, especially, I think was wrong. I mean, let me just say as an aside, I thought Boone was the right hire after Joe Girardi. He was the right type of manager to have his pendulum swing the other way. But here now in the last two years, in year three and four, he just seems to be unable to get the, the, the Yankees to play hard, to really find that extra gear. And that difference, the difference with the Red Sox, for instance, has never been more stark. The Red Sox have this incredible confidence about them that just literally just oozes out of their pores. And that comes from their manager, Alex Cora. The Yankees don't have that. The Mets have it. I saw it yesterday from the Mets. The Mets play hard. The Mets make contact. The Mets run hard. I mean, everybody there has found that extra year. The Yankees are missing that, and that's because of their manager, who I happen to like personally. Everybody likes him personally. But uh, I have not seen the, that, that intangible quality that winning teams have that usually comes right from the manager. So I think there's blame all the way around. And I think how the problem with Hal, and, and you know, ultimately it's Hal, it's Hal's team, it's, it's, it's family's legacy. But he lacks the confidence to make a move. I mean, what he really wants is for Brian Cashman and Aaron Boone to pull a rabbit out of their hat to take him off the hot seat. Hal is definitely not George because, you know, you know as well as I do that if George were still around, Boone would have been gone by now and maybe even Cashman too. So the, 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 the short answer to a very severe question is I think the blame is equally distributed everywhere in this franchise, but ultimately it has to start with Hal, who just does not want to make a tough decision. Bob Klappish on 98.7 ESPN. Bobby Valentine was on earlier. We were talking about that very thing, Bob, and how over a long season, obviously baseball is an endless regular season, 162 games, and wanting to play for your manager is a very important thing. And I think it might be more important in baseball than really any other sport because of the length of the regular season. And it really does seem like the Mets want to play for Rojas, and it doesn't seem that way with the Yankees and Boone. What human buttons does Boone have to push now I, I suggested earlier just publicly call out guys more. Now, you have to be careful. You don't want to lose the clubhouse when you do that. There's a fine line you have to walk. Is, is Boone capable of walking that, that line, or is he simply incapable of that, and maybe that will, at the end of the season, cost him his job? Uh, his job is very much in jeopardy, Ian, whether it happens today or tomorrow or uh, you know October after the Yankees are, are out, of the, out of the playoffs, even if they get there. Whenever their season ends, I think the countdown will begin on Aaron Boone's uh, dismissal. But uh, it's a great question, Matt, because it, it is a very fine line for, for Boone to have to navigate. For instance, if he went into the clubhouse and overturned the food table or just literally got in players' faces in the middle of the clubhouse, I think players would dismiss that as just fear, bad theater, because it's not part of his psychological makeup. That's just not who he is. They would realize it was fake. Uh, it was all performative would have absolutely no effect. It would probably have a, a, an adverse effect because people would finally lose their respect. They like Aaron Boone. They respect him as a person. Uh, he's a fine human being. I mean, I tell my friends all the time, if you met him, you'd like him within five minutes. He's somebody that you want to talk to, have a beer with. Nobody has a bad word to say him in that regard. But he has this need to be liked by his players, which is turning into his fatal flaw. He is a nice person who wants to commune, to bond with his players, to be like the cool uncle. And that was really perfect in the first two years after Joe Girardi, who, you know, had this had the personality of a state trooper, you know, a high school football coach. I mean, that he really wore out his welcome with the Yankees uh, by 2017. His, his messaging no longer worked. You needed somebody like Aaron Boone to be next. But what Aaron Boone has to do now is find a way to make 
players uncomfortable. Now, I don't mean yell at them. Doesn't have to point fingers or name names in the papers or in the post-game Zoom interviews with the press. But he has to let the Yankees know that losing is unacceptable. And he has to say that publicly, that this is not good enough. For, and, and he hasn't done that. He, he seems to be unwilling to do it. I'll give you an example. Yesterday, somebody asked Boone, are you embarrassed that you're nearly 10 games out? Here we are at the halfway mark, and you're nearly 10 games out. And this is a team with a $200 million payroll and was picked by everybody to go to the World Series. It turns out, you know, the Yankees are nowhere. They're going nowhere. And we asked Boone, are you embarrassed? And it was a perfect opportunity for Aaron Boone to say, this does not happen to the New York Yankees. We cannot let this go on because we are the Yankees. Instead, instead of saying that, he said, I would never say I'm embarrassed by my players. I know how hard they work. I have nothing but respect for them. Well, the question wasn't about his players. He didn't have to defend his players. They were asking about the situation, the standing. But he has, this such great, has such a great need to protect his Yankees, to be one with them, to not offend them. And I think ultimately that's what's going to cost him his job. Bob, uh, final thing. You and I were both in the building, Yankee Stadium, that is, Wednesday night until uh, 2.15 in the morning, whatever it was, after that disastrous conclusion to the game. I thought it was – I was trying to figure out driving home, is that the worst regular season loss I've ever seen the Yankees have? And I understand there's recency bias involved in these evaluations. So w- with that factored in, I-, I wonder for you, you've been at this a little bit longer than I have, How have you ever seen a more heartbreaking defeat than that? By the Yankees since, again, in the, in the modern day, when, when they started making the playoffs on a regular basis, say, from 95 going forward. Uh, in the regular season, I, can't, I cannot think of a, of a game that has a more unlikely ending, a sudden unlikely ending. I mean, to think that Araldis Chapman would give up four runs in the ninth inning. And even then, I mean, just getting back to the point I was going to make, Chapman dug himself a hole by walking the bases loaded. Now, there's no reason in the world why Boone shouldn't have come out to get it. It was clear Chapman didn't have it and should never have allowed to, should have never been allowed to pitch to Jared Walsh to give up that grand sign. Except Boone just did not want to anger his closer. He was, you know, the race was a hot-tempered guy, and they'd already had a, a blowout, a blow-up about a week earlier. Boone was more interested in preserving his relationship with Chapman than getting him out of there as he should have and try and go on maybe to Lucas Lutke and maybe pull out a, a save that way. So he ended up costing the Yankees a, a, a terrible, terrible loss. Now, there have been terrible losses in the playoffs, you know, to the Astros you know, two years ago. Um, obviously, in 2001, the Diamondbacks in the game seven. But in terms of regular season, the unlikely outcome, the one is just shocking. And so I probably put a dagger right through their hearts. I would have to say this one was number one at the top of the list. Chapman giving up that grand slam. No question. Yeah, regular season. Of course, the, the, the most devastating defeat I've ever witnessed was Game 7 of the 2001 World Series. So postseason, regular season, two entirely different things. But, man, in a regular season context, that was brutal. And, of course, yesterday was too. And I, I think the Yankees need to make a statement today and win both of these games. I hope to see you out there a little bit later in the Bronx, Bob. But thanks very much, as always, for your great insights. And hopefully we'll see you soon. Sounds good, Ian. Again, thanks for having me on. Oh, my pleasure. Bob Clappish, great stuff. Read him on NJ.com. He is very good every time out of the box. Now back to the Ian O'Connor Show on 98.7 ESPN. 
Welcome back. Ian O'Connor, columnist with the New York Post here on 98.7 ESPN. We've got Mets-Yankees tonight, ESPN Sunday Night Baseball. You can listen to that game right here on 98.7 ESPN. The phone line, 1-800-919-3776. Bobby Valentine earlier, Bob Clappish as well. So a heavyweight lineup of baseball guests just now getting heavier in a good way. But uh, Jack Curry was a terrific beat writer and national baseball columnist for the New York Times, made a seamless transition as a, a TV analyst for the Yes Network. You see him on the pregame and postgame on Yes. He was kind enough to join us right now. And Jack and I, full disclosure, married to sisters, we usually have these discussions at the dinner table. We decided to do this one on the radio. And Jack, thanks for uh, taking the time. So we're talking, obviously, about the Yankees being in a crisis situation. And you listen to how Steinbrenner in his press conference, and he seemed to put most of the blame on the players. And I'm wondering your assessment of how and, and where he put the blame, and did you agree with what he had to say in that regard? I did agree with him, Ian, for this reason. He did, at the outset of his comments, say that he and Cashman and Boone deserve some of the blame, but the majority of the blame needs to go to the players. And you can question how the Yankees assembled their roster and who was on their roster and where they could have made improvements or changes. But once you have your roster, it is incumbent upon the players to perform. And that's what I think Hal was saying, and I do agree with him because I've said this on our pregame and postgame shows dozens of times this year. Other than Judge and Cole and a couple of relievers like Loisaga and Green, the Yankees' roster – hasn't performed to the level that you would have expected it. There are a couple of other guys in there. Scheller has played well, and Sanchez has erected himself. But, Ian, up and down that roster, they're just underperforming players. And when you have that many underperforming players, you get a team that's 41-40 and halfway through the year. Jack, I've said this to some Yankee fans who've asked, but I look at that roster on paper – anyway, and say, gee, I wouldn't mind managing Judge and Cole and Chapman and, and Torres and, and a bunch of other guys, LeMayu. And, and so it looks like on paper, this is a team that should be right in the mix for a, a postseason berth, and, and they're not. So, so we ask about Aaron Boone, and everyone likes Aaron Boone. He seems like a very likable guy. But do you think he needs to maybe alter his approach to some degree here to try to turn this thing around? And by that, I mean, does he need to be tougher publicly uh, with individual players, holding them accountable, or do you see him maybe uh, not needing to do that? What's your assessment of Boone and his style and whether or not he needs to make a, a tweak of that approach? It's a great question, and I think Boone is being loyal and true to who he is. Boone is an optimist, and if you watch our post games, even in the darkest of times when the team hasn't performed well, Boone is picking out the signs that he sees as positive. And having asked him about this in the past, I think he believes that the players are going to get criticism when they stumble from so many different places that in his mind, they don't necessarily need to hear it from the manager. Now, you could argue very easily with that approach and with that philosophy and say, hey, some guys might respond better if they were criticized publicly or if they were called on the carpet for something they didn't do well. That hasn't been the way that Aaron Boone has been as a manager, and that wasn't the way he was when they won 103 games and then won 100 games. So I don't anticipate that he is going to change, Ian, but I will say this, across this last week or so, I, I have noticed the exasperation level from Boone at an all-time high. I really think that 
when Boone said the season was on the line, he thought the team would respond. And then Cashman said, this is pretty bad right now, and they didn't respond. And then they had a team meeting spearheaded by Judge, and they still didn't respond. And we already mentioned the Hal Steinbrenner comments. I said this on our post game last night. If you can't get motivated and inspired by all the things that happened this week, what is going to be the thing that is going to trigger you to be inspired? Jack Curry, the Yes Network here on 98.7 ESPN with Ian O'Connor on a July 4th. And obviously a big day for the Yankees today. I think they really can make a statement, obviously winning this doubleheader. It's a lot to ask a team to win any doubleheader, but this would be, hey, we're starting the second half of the season, the next 81 games on a really high note, beating the Mets twice, which is quite a bit to ask in one day. But I think it could change the narrative a little bit and give them a bit of a sanctuary uh, to give themselves some breathing room. But if you look at the standings, let's forget about the division. I almost wonder if privately Boone should say to the Yankees, we're not going to win the AL East this year, but guess what? That doesn't matter. We just got to get into the tournament, and once we do, if we're hot, we can win the whole thing. So, Jack, when you look at the wild card, they're only five back with 81 games to play. They've got some teams to hurdle, including two in their own division. But is that, in your mind, still a realistic scenario without major changes being made to this roster? I think it is a realistic scenario, and here's why. Because I think the Yankees, a very analytically driven organization, looks at some of the players who have not reached their potential, as I've already talked about, and they feel as if they have a kick coming from some of these players. They don't think Torres is going to be the guy that he has been all year. They think LeMay was going to give them more. Voight missed so much time that there's a belief that he will give you more. And I'm glad you brought up that wild card number, Ian, because... The Yankee play has been so bad that unless they turn around and play at a higher level and more quality, talking about the standings is kind of irrelevant. They need to go out and have a solid two weeks or three weeks or at least take these eight games into the all-star break, play solid and see where you are. But you're absolutely right. A five-game deficit with 81 games to play is really nothing. Nine days ago, the Yankees were four games out in the division. Now they're nine and a half because the Red Sox went on a streak and, and the Yankees lost six out of seven. But again, I'm not saying that this is going to happen. I'm saying they have to play better to maybe have the opportunity to have that happen. Jack, when you look at their schedule, uh, three games at Seattle, a pretty good team ahead of them in the wild card race coming up. Then three games at Houston, a very good team, as I said earlier, even when they're not cheating. Then uh, you got the all-star break, four games at home against the Red Sox, two at Philly, which is a little bit of a break in the schedule, I guess. Four games at Boston and then three at Tampa Bay. That looks like if the Yankees don't start playing better baseball, it could be over at that point. So if one or two things have to change above all else in Yankeedom, what do you think those one or two things are? Well, the starting pitching, let's go right there. I mean, their last 27 games, their starters have an ERA of close to five and a half. And those starting pitchers were the pitchers that guided them earlier this year when their, when their offense struggled so much. And as we are talking about this, Dom Smith, Dom Smith. a two-run homer. So Cole, <laughs> Cole just got nicked for a two-run homer in the first inning, a towering fly ball. So it, right there, their starting pitching needs to be more solid, more secure. Uh, I look at what Cole has done across his last eight starts. He's really struggled in the area of over four, and now they're off to a sluggish start already in this game. 
And we need to get Jack Curry back to work on the Yes Network. So a final question here, Jack. I think that it's hard for me to see Brian Cashman as a seller unless this thing gets completely out of hand. The Yankees don't give away seasons. You know that better than anyone, having covered them for so long, first at the New York Times and now at the Yes Network for many years. So I assume you see them as still as buyers unless this unravels. And if so, what do you think they need to buy more than anything else at the trade deadline? Well, I've, I've thought they needed to add an outfielder. I know they just added Lo Castro, but I, I thought they needed to add an impact outfielder, and that hasn't happened. And the way it's looking, Ian, with what I've just talked about with the pitching, uh, they need some help in their rotation. But that that is that is something that they absolutely need. And I'm not sure they're going to be able to get that. By the way, that Dom Smith was a solo homer. I don't know why I said two-run homer. (laughs) That's what happens when you're trying to do a radio interview and watch the game. But I think those are the areas that you can look for them to improve. And, Ian, I thought that Clark Schmidt and Davey Garcia would be factors for them this year. Garcia has been woeful at AAA. Clark Schmidt has not pitched yet this year. So those are some other areas that have been a problem for them. Does Kluber come back and help? Maybe. He said today that he thinks there's a possibility there, there's a, he's going to pitch again this year. But they need to get things righted, and they need to get it righted quickly. I'm going to steal a line from Aaron Boone. Talk is cheap. They have to go out there and perform, and for half a season they, they have underperformed. Jack, one last thing about their offensive approach, and I don't know if this is possible with this roster to change, but I mentioned earlier in the program that they're last in the sport in steals, in doubles, in triples, which means, of course, they're never getting the extra base. They're getting thrown out on the base pass when they try. Is there any help on the way or a move they can make to maybe infuse this team, this roster, with some athleticism, some foot speed, or is it just not there? Well, I look at Park, who's doing very well at AAA for them, an infielder, and you could say that he's a kid who could come up and help. Floreal uh, is performing decent recently at AAA. But I see the stats, Ian. The, the Yankees have scouts and coaches who are filing reports on these guys, and when one of those players is ready, there's also a guy, Trey Ambergay at AAA, who's about a 38- or 39-game on-base streak. So those would be places you could possibly turn. But they haven't turned yet. And Brian Cashman, for instance, was asked about Park uh, several days ago, and he said he didn't think that he would make the Yankees better right now. So I think if they're going to win, it's probably almost universally going to be with the group that we see right now. Jack Curry, some great insight from him, as always. Watch him on the Yes Network pregame and postgame on Yankee Telecast. Jank, uh, Jack, thanks so much for helping <laughs> us out on the 4th of July, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks a lot for having me, and take care.